Hello fellow earthlings, I'm Casey Savage, and this is my very first podcast. So, I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm going to do my very best. Um, so the, the idea behind this podcast um, would be better explained if I started with a little bit about me. So I am, well, I guess I've never really described myself to someone before, but I am a 32-year-old guy. I live out in the middle of nowhere currently um, in southwestern Wisconsin, the Driftless region, which that means Driftless is referring to the that the glaciers were didn't come this far southwest in Wisconsin. There were glaciers throughout the rest of Wisconsin. So this area was untouched in a way um, that it was ancient seabed and right right along the Mississippi River here. So kind of cool, different fun fact. Okay, anyways, uh, yeah. So I live out here on. My family's property, I moved out here two years ago with my wife, who was then my fiance. Now we have a nearly one-year-old daughter. She's amazing and beautiful. They both are. So I'm a lucky guy. And I also get to live out in the woods, which is really also a great blessing. Um, It does have its challenges but thank goodness for the internet um (laughs) uh yeah so i live out here i went to high school in south central i mean in school i mean throughout from kindergarten until you know through high school in south central wisconsin um and yeah, I grew up one I grew up doing photography, building stuff, you know, like making weird things, duct taping rocket engines onto toy airplanes and, you know, building model rockets and just being a kid, I guess, in Wisconsin. And uh um so I grew up uh Plan to go to Columbia College in Chicago um, for photography. Um, I was how convinced, however, that uh, I wouldn't be able to make enough money to pay back my tuition, so I ought to go to um, flight school. <laughs> and based on, predicated on that I... My grandfather had a plane growing up, um, when I was growing up, and we'd go flying together, and I loved it. That was great. I mean, super fond memories of doing that. Um, And uh, actually, before I went into, before I graduated high school, my... Man, there's so much at like different levels. Like it's like before 
I tell part of it, I should say, so my grandfather got hurt um, while I was probably uh sophomore in high school. Um, had a brain injury. He actually had a um, 32-inch long stainless steel rod. I think it was 3 8 doesn't really matter um, what size it was, but it went through his eye and through his brain and hit the back of his skull. And uh, he pulled it out, and they found him there with it in between his legs, just laying on the ground. But he was alive, and he's still alive today. And he's he's the toughest, <laughs> toughest some bitch that I've ever met in my life. That's for sure. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, the reason I say that is because, well, it's part of me growing up that actually changed my life dramatically. Um, my grandpa was like a father to me and, um, um, sorry. He, so him getting hurt, so he owned a screw machine shop, that's where he got, that's where he was injured at his screw machine shop, so he worked with machines and bar stock, and he'd, you know, so he's always making stuff, and always, this, this property I live on today, he bought with money he made from that screw machine shop. You know, like I could talk for hours about my grandpa. So, sorry, I'm walking around. I need to stand still. But. So, um, where was I? So, my, my grandpa was always making things and creating, you know, building things and, um, and he always brought me along, you know, and let me run the tractors or the big forklifts or the excavator or bulldozer, you know, and it, it just everything just totally shifted when he got hurt because he got hurt obviously bad, <laughs> you know, it's basically like getting shot in the head. I just, it's incredible to me how you would survive that you know but it makes sense because he he came from you know living on he's one of 13 kids and he grew up in uh upper michigan and they had a like farm and he would, he worked there with his family <laughs> and that's how he grew that's how he grew up then he moved to Chicago and 
um, worked in some uh, different machine shops there. That's where he got his start, and then moved up to Rockford and worked for a, a guy, then bought his own place, started out on his own. You know, like, he busted his ass. He busted his ass. And, you know, he earned everything that he has. And it's it's just crazy now to live here, which I grew up with this place being, our, you know, our family's vacation home. Call it a cabin. It was, it was a log cabin at first, a, a nice big one, and then it actually burnt down and we built a different one. Probably about, I don't know, hard for me to guess now. It's been at least 10 years ago. Um... Well, it would have been 2006, so yes, probably 12 years ago, I, I'm guessing, right around there. Um, and it's not a cabin anymore, but we still call it the cabin. Um, yeah, anyways, I live up here, which is different than I thought it was going to be, but it's still such a beautiful place, and I can literally, at any time, right now, I could go walk out, it's pitch black outside, so... Not the ideal time to go walking around the woods, but I could at any time just go walking out into forest, which is my dream come true, really. Um, yeah, so let's get back on track here. I have a real tendency of going down rabbit holes and explaining everything really long. It takes a long I take a long time to explain things in detail. Um, okay, back on track. So my grandpa got hurt. So that's so before I graduated high school, I um, thought my my grandpa offered that he would, because so after he got injured, he wasn't able to fly anymore because he's blind in one eye um and also the brain injury um he I don't know if he ever attempted to get a medical but it just was like hey you know you're probably not gonna fly the airplane anymore because you know yeah so um yeah so it was sitting in a hangar he had it hangered so it was costing money and it was just sitting there and and uh he said if you pay to have to if you pay for the flight instructor, I'll let you use my airplane and I'll get it annualed and pay for the fuel and everything and you can learn how to fly. And I was like, well, I can't afford that because I wanted to go wholeheartedly, wanted to go to uh, art school. And it's interesting because the reason I wanted to go to art school wasn't necessarily for, like, I was in, super into photography. Growing up, 4-H, did really well in 4-H um, photography, which the competition wasn't, you know, incredibly fierce. But <laughs> I still, you know, all blues. I got one red, I think, ever. And then merit awards and state, uh, like, to state the state fair, which is, you know, in 4-H, that's a big deal. Not only one time I went to State Fair, but the Merit Award went to State Fair as well. But anyways, photography, really into it. Then 
yeah, so I really wanted to go to to Columbia College in Chicago and have that experience and be around other creative people and and you know just see what the heck um was was up with that type of crowd especially in Chicago and you know anyways so it was going to be very expensive to go there so um my mom can my mom convinced me that I should go to flight school because I like to fly this is after uh I think he sold the plane already they had sold the plane it's like this weird turn of events you know like it just like these were my decisions in the end I made every decision you know no one can make a decision for you so I made every decision but I'm also so I ended up going to flight school is my point after my grandpa had sold his plane so I didn't like basically I would have been given a free plane (laughs) but so I went to accelerated flight school though like that would have just got my private license I couldn't afford to go to art school and get pay to get lessons you know at 120 bucks an hour to get my private license so that's why that didn't end up working. But then I didn't end up going to flight school because it was going to be, or I mean to, to art school because it was going to be too expensive. And um, I ended up going to flight school, Pan Am International Flight Academy in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was um, it, it was it was it, it was a flight school for people going to fly in the airlines. And um, that was never my dream. I never had a dream to fly in the airlines. I like flying airplanes, so it was like, okay, well, you know, I'll see where this can take me, like see what options I have, you know. And I'm like, oh, maybe I could fly freight, which you can, but you have to fly people first. And it's like, man, I don't want to... I never wanted that responsibility. It was never my dream to be an airline pilot. I mean, in the 60s, I probably would have dreamed to be an airline pilot because, you know, that's when it was cool. Those guys were rock stars back then, but now it's it's like a desk job. It's like an office job, which is some people love to have office jobs, but I am not, like, I could do, I don't know. I've never had an office job, so I can't really say if I'd like it or not. Um, I like to be outside a lot, and I like to move around a lot, so I might not like it. But anyways, um, yeah, so going to school for that, I figured out it really wasn't for me, but I'd gone through, I wasn't going to quit. You know, it was one of those things where you pay uh, a bunch of it, at the beginning, and then you got to do check rides and stuff. But anyways, I ended up uh, certified as a multi-engine flight instructor and an instrument-rated flight instructor. Um, is that CFII? And uh, it's been a while since I've flown at all. But uh, yeah, so it, it I, I end up, you know, getting a lot of ratings and certificates, but. Um, it just wasn't for me. I really love the spin training. I actually got to do spin training in an open cockpit biplane, a Great Lakes biplane from the 40s. Um, so it was old. 
and it was open i had to wear a helmet with the like goggles and a parachute which was really cool i've never you know that's just not because i'm jumping out it's because it's open and it's like a, it's a faa requirement that you have a parachute on if you could you know if the harness failed and you're upside down or something or whatever I don't know exactly, but so anyways, I had a parachute on and goggles. That was like the best day of flight school, doing rolls and spins and, and, you know, loops. I'm just thinking about it, but it was tons of fun. Um, I would have done that every day. If I could have been that guy, if I could have been like a Red Bull air race guy, I would, I would have just went right from flight school to that. But the path isn't that short currently. I mean, it it could be made that short, I'm sure. Uh, but it wasn't at the time. So you had to be like an Air Force pilot or, you know, a lot, a lot of hours. You know, because those planes are super expensive and the sponsors aren't going to just trust a guy straight out of flight school to just go whipping around in a high-performance, you know, super crazy fast and super responsive airplane. But uh, anyways, nonetheless, back on track. My, yeah, so he had sold the plane. I ended up going to flight school. After flight school, moved to Madison, Wisconsin from Phoenix. Um, I still had a couple ratings that I wanted to get. So I continued some school in Madison. It was more expensive and it was kind of more on my schedule. Like I was playing, because this flight school, it was like you had ground school every single day. You likely had a flight every single day. Um, and it was really accelerated. We were constantly, it was like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was constant, like mental and mental stress mostly mental you know it wasn't really physical there was a little bit physical it was hot and there's no ac in those planes so until you got up in the air it was really hot um on the ground in phoenix in the summertime um cats over here i'm outside i am out in my shop in the shed and we have outside cats anyways back to it so, moved to Madison, started, uh, got a job at Outback Steakhouse, started drinking with everybody, having a good time. I was 20 at the time, so like some house parties and stuff, and then then uh, after, you know, I turned 21, it was just, yeah, got a girlfriend up there. Um, I should say, I guess that I had a a long-time girlfriend from high school that I still had when I moved to flight school and then um yeah that ended up like that's part of the reason I moved back was I, I didn't I didn't I didn't like the path I, I didn't really love the idea of being an airline pilot and I was still trying to justify that like being able to get through that I also didn't have enough hours to be an airline pilot so you have to be a flight instructor first and I really like I was exposed to so at our school the the majority of the students that went to our school were either Korean uh Korean students which flew for the Korean airline um 
or KLM students, which are Dutch. And then the FAA students, were there was just a handful of us, but we were all in the same class because, like, and so, so anyway, not all of us, all the FAA students were in one class, all the KLM students were in another class, and all the Korean Air uh, students were in another class. So the Korean guys didn't, um, a lot of them hadn't even driven a car before they went to flight school and English was definitely their second language. And they were, would be, it was kind of, it was scary at times. Some of the guys were great. You know, you, they're all scared just like we were flying an airplane by yourself at first, especially how accelerated the program was flying an airplane is parts of landing is the scariest part really when you're first starting out taking off flying all that stuff pretty easy i mean when you do like simulated engine out or on a twin engine but that's from the beginning you're you're um landing is the scariest part and uh but anyway so these these guys had would go up on their solo flights and you know you'd be in the practice area and they would come on the radio and you couldn't fully understand what they were saying or where they were which is scary because it's a pretty concentrated area um you're just under so we flew out of deer valley airport which is um a class d airspace but it's the busiest class d airspace in the country so it's a really busy smaller airport it's not it's not tiny tiny but it's not huge like phoenix sky harbor which is just to the south of there which is a class b airspace which is like chicago o'hare or you know any big airport like that like um you know lax or kennedy atlanta all the fort lauderdale you know big airports they're um class b airspace so we were like underneath so basically what not to go to see this is what I was talking about how I talk cat get how I uh explain things in hyper detail and then like go back and forth and all over the place but yeah cuz I don't I was just about to explain what an airspace looks like and blah 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 and that's really not relevant so um Okay, where I was where I was headed is um, so it was a very kind of you and you also had you had practice areas to the north which are kind of there's a Lake Pleasant which is a big reservoir lake out there and it bit like kind of an open desert area and then there's kind of mountain uh you know a, a mountain border basically to the practice areas so we would kind of practice over the desert or the lake and. Uh, there was a few really close calls between me and 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 with my instructors and the Korean guys and also there's been a few times one time I came back uh and there was a bunch of bunch of guys standing around one of their airplanes and one of the guys had just done his first solo flight which is basically just around you know you get up you take off and you go around the pattern you stay close to the airport and you just do some touch and goes and then you land and you're done 
and he had porpoise, which means that he came down at an unusual attitude, usually nose first with your front wheel first, and you, however it ends up happening, you end up bouncing, you know, bouncing down the runway, like boom, and like lifting up and boom, it's, I have, I did it a little bit one time, and it was not, it was scary, but, so he was, he had to have been hitting pretty hard, because the propeller was bent up, like curled up at the edge, and there was parts of it missing on one side, so, <laughs> so that was scary. And I also saw another guy do the same thing, but I didn't, he actually didn't hit the prop, but he was doing some crazy porpoising down the runway. Um, yeah. So my point, I guess, was that it was a chaotic kind of place and it was like, okay, it kind of put things into perspective. And then it's like, do I want to teach these guys? because they haven't even driven a car yet and it's in the communication barrier because it's 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 mostly the instructors a lot of them were students from pan am that like my instructors were all had been students for, at pan am and a lot of them instructed uh the korean students too and the klm guys we didn't there was no like special instructors for the klm guys or the um, the Korean guys, and so it was. It would have been me next in line, and then then you can go on to a regional airline and fly people around, and then after you get so many hours, and as a captain, then you could possibly fly um, freight and packages, which is very interesting to me. Like that that monetarily you know what it's got to it comes down to money it has to like what what packages are worth compared to human lives because like why else would they require so the reason the hourly requirement is not only for the the airlines themselves but it's for their insurance um the insurance requires an a certain amount of hours for the pilots to be able to fly their planes. And I'm sure the bank, because most of these airlines probably don't own every single plane fully, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, so it ended up, which all of these things, I had no idea until I got to school. Like when I was going to school, I was fully set on going to flight school because I had, you know, had my I had changed my mind and now I'm going to flight school so once I got there I then realized these things it was just like yeah anyways I focus a lot on that and but now today I think more like I'm happily married and have a beautiful daughter the only way that that life turned out the way that it is right now is that life turned out the way that it is and the way that it was. So had I gone to art school in Chicago, you know, you know, my my marriage and my daughter wouldn't exist. There's no way and that you know that that in itself like had we waited a day 
or waited a week, my wife and I, we waited a week to like, to conceive our daughter. She would have been, she could have been our son and she could have been, or she could have been a daughter, but totally, she wouldn't have been the same one. She's one in 400 trillion. You know, that's just like you or I or anyone else, any other human, one in 400 trillion is the odds that we were even born. So that's pretty great. But my point is that the things worked out how they worked out. And now I'm here. And a lot of things are great. Not everything is great. But a lot of things are and the important things are, you know, the important things are great. And and that's good. And I, I'm in a place where, like, I'm making this podcast. That's something I never thought I would do. That's not. That's something that's new to me. And the reason, so the reason that I'm making this podcast is that, I just want to make sure this is still recording, is that, ugh, ugh, excuse me. The reason I'm making this podcast is because um <laughs> what's a long story <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, so let me just speed up i'll go I'll go fast, so I worked at. Outback Steakhouse, then Buffalo Wild Wings. Then from there, from Buffalo Wild Wings, I was living up in Madison this whole time. Then I decided I was going to buy a house. Another idea of my mom's. This time, I mean, it was a good idea to buy a house. If you're renting, might as well buy a house, right? So I buy a... So I was renting up in Madison. Then I decided I'll move in with my grandparents. Um, south there, hour south. Um... Uh, and commuting back up there, and then I'm looking for a house. I eventually find a house, buy the house. Um, I'm making this such a long story because I'm trying to speed this up, but I'm like trying to tell every detail because there's so many things that are really important to me that have shaped my life in the way, like even meeting my wife is how it happened is it all ties together like so so moved in with my grandparents working at Buffalo Wild Wings in Madison um i end up finding a house i also end up meeting um not meeting but re-running into for the multiple time um my a girl who I ended up dating for quite a long time who had a huge impact on my life in probably not the most positive way but if you but in the end it ended up being a positive because I learned so much so you know I guess I just gotta take it like Marcus Aurelius and that all of these things have been blessings all of the everything that has happened has been a blessing because really it has because I mean the story gets better 
you know i'm so all these things that seemingly are bad like going to flight school instead of of art school missing out on a on an airplane that i could have used to learn you know <laughs> and then you know then coming out of there living in madison working at restaurants not at all doing anything like what i not in the direction that i had previously been uh you know, heading. And, um, so I, so I get a house. I had this, so this girl, I had met her when I was 15 years old and I was like totally smitten head over heels. First time I met her and we had ran into each other like once or once a year, every like in random places and we would meet. And then ended up I was at a buddy's house for his dad's retirement party and we're inside we see two girls walk by with their mom going to the retirement party out back and I'm and I'm like oh we better get out there it turns and it ends up it's her and um so like you know it's she doesn't know anyone else there which is perfect for me and I like so and we had been we hadn't seen each other in a while and we were running into each other every so it was like seemed like the perfect storm and everything was just like oh man this is so crazy and like so then things started moving really fast and you know she ended up i asked her to move in with me right away which was you know stupid <laughs> and i cuz i had just bought this house and then you know like it was just it seemed like so great and crazy and then um it turned out we weren't quite as compatible as it, it you know it didn't seem you know we didn't know everything was rushing so fast and then it turns out we're really not that compatible and uh then i think was it a year into it right away I don't know, but but what what happened is I found out that we weren't compatible, but I ignored the red flags for a while, and then she ended up getting pregnant, and that really changed a lot of things. Um, I was not my best self during that time because I was panicked, and I really I knew that we weren't meant to be together and uh, I was really scared that now I'm like I'm tied to her forever because uh, of the baby and she ended up having a miscarriage which is like you know just crazy because it was a it was a really hard time and then it was definitely a mixed blessing because in the end you know huge blessing. So, uh, man, I'm telling the longest stories that there are. So we're, so that happens. So then that turns this whole thing into turmoil. And I'm also not good at breaking up at all. Like a lot of people, I'm sure, but we stayed together for four years in total. I knew after a year that we weren't working out but it just kept dragging on and dragging on and 
um, I should mention her, her um, mom's best friend's husband is Rick Springfield. So that's interesting. And that, that, maybe that was it. I was just like, you know, I got to listen to, I got to see Jesse's Girl live, you know, every year. So I can't lose that. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, she, she's a good person. She's a good person. We were very not meant for each other. And I don't know what else to say. I kind of shut it out of my mind for a while. So anyways, we, so it gets to be, so during that, that time where I'm getting a house, got a new girlfriend, I got a new job, which was working for a company that built, um, decks, pergolas, gates, fences, large outdoor structures and any sort of landscaping like that would be wood or metal and in high-end houses on Lake Michigan or downtown Chicago on on the top of high-rise buildings or on top of like the two of the only private residences on Lakeshore Drive um and yeah, so just really awesome stuff in really cool places and uh I I was really into that. I would loved I I had had woodworking and making things as a hobby for a long time and at that point I actually had um a shop with my friend Jared at his parents' house. Um so I had we were making stuff. We're not selling anything, but I was really into it. So I got this job and I loved it. I loved doing that, being creative, working on these projects that were on these crazy houses. Brand like a lot of the houses were just built brand new. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot. I should say some of them were built brand new and were very like futuristic, you know, ultra modern houses that were crazy beautiful furnished in this beaut like dwell magazine like type shit and uh yeah so cool places the landscaping was beautiful this all of it was designed by a landscape architect all the the stuff that we got was designed by a landscape architect and then it would be reworked to to be practical practically built and then we would mock it up uh, in Beloit, Wisconsin, outside of Beloit, Wisconsin, and then we would drive it down into Chicago and install it. And um, so I learned so much because we did all these crazy, everything was custom. Every single thing was custom. There was nothing, everything was custom. Everything we made. And uh, there were some just beautiful projects and and uh i learned i learned a ton from a lot of people the people that i are some of the few people i could have considered as being a mentor to me in my life was during that time um yeah so um so yeah so i got this new job i got stoking the fire here um, I got the new job, I got the house, I got the girlfriend, everything was going great. 
then the girlfriend ended up not being right. The job ended up... Uh, the original owner had passed away um, after I'd been working there for a little while. I grew up with his family, actually, throughout my life. It was just a what strange thing. Um, and... Um, so that it was left to his nephew and his wife. It wasn't really managed properly. This not the same way that it wasn't managed properly at all. Um, and just the writing was on the wall that the place was, you know, not a place I wanted to be anymore. So I went on Craigslist and look for a job found a job for a salesman and at this point I had managed people from the, through this job I had um, done you know the work myself you know the carpentry work and um, And so sales seemed like, oh, I'll kind of round it out. Because really, since I was a kid, since my grandpa owned his own business, and then I wasn't really interested in in machine shop. I I am now, again, like metalworking, interested in that sort of thing. But at the time, I wasn't. Um, I don't regret not... I don't have any regrets, but I I I wasn't gonna go into b- being a machinist. So, um, so <laughs> my point is that that my point is I. worked and wasn't getting enough for what I was doing um things were so but yes I remember my point it's that uh I'd always since I since I was a kid I always wanted to have my own business like my grandpa um and so I thought sales that'll be that'll really round me out. Like I'll have all the kind of experience and a little bit of experience in all the different areas and it'll be nice. So I found this job in sales selling construction exterior work, which I wasn't sure exactly what the heck that meant, but I called, uh, called him up and found out, you know, didn't really find out much, just found out that the the boss was nice, and um, so that's really, that's really the baseline for, like, getting any job, if the boss is cool, it's like, you know, okay, whatever it is, I'll do it, because, like, that's half the battle, if you have a crappy boss, it's the worst, uh, Anyways, so I get so I get this job selling um, 
it ends up being hail damage restoration and i have to go to omaha nebraska first thing (laughs) so and i also have to buy a truck so it's like all this stuff again happening so quickly in this transition of my life so i'm buying a truck selling my car the the boss is asking questions at work and um you know i didn't really say anything until it was like right when i needed to go two weeks and uh yeah so i i basically get out of there because my relationship's not working out this house is kind of trapping me not really that bad i liked having the house uh but it did definitely tie me down in a way that i had never been experienced before um so i basically just up and get out of there which is kind of a huge blessing (laughs) because i just could just get out of there and get away from everything i just had to get away from all this just toxic everything was toxic and um so i got went to omaha everything was cool the the job was weird and hard because it was all commission and i moved to omaha never sold a roof in my life that's basically the majority of what i'm doing is selling roofs um and yeah so it's 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 um it's weird and i'm living with um living with roommates whom i had never met before this which i'm you know i'm a social sociable person i'm easy to get along with if you're not an asshole and uh so it was fine um and I, I got exposed to different sides of of selling the sides. I got exposed to just more sides that didn't fit with my personality at first. And I think that might have been what in the end turned me off of this particular... Because I knew, I knew kind of about hail damage restoration. I knew kind of about that... that industry a little bit because I've worked with a few people who worked in that industry some of the time and it's a weird it's its own weird beast which I learned so much more about it once I got into it of how weird and unique the industry is um but anyways I can make this part short which is basically that went to Omaha stayed there for a while sold some jobs was doing okay you know, making enough to like still to not leave. And then, um, uh, my boss calls me up and is like, who I had like five or six different bosses at that company, which is funny. Um, but, uh, this particular boss ends up, ended up being in my wedding. He's a good friend of mine. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyways, he calls me up and says, hey, um, there's a storm in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. you want to go to Manitowoc? And um, I had never been to Manitowoc. I didn't know where it was exactly, but I was like, okay. Um, I actually didn't, wasn't fully, like, on board, which is weird. I think it was because I was out there and I was, like, committed 
to being out there. I was like, okay, I'm out there. And then also I was still had not broken up with my girlfriend at the time. We were still together, but I knew we, the writing was on the wall for me. Like I knew what I wanted. And I think I had, at that point, I think I had, I think I'd voiced that to her when I left, just like that, you know, we need to take a break. And I was like, okay, don't tell anyone. And I'm like, okay. So I hadn't told anyone. And then went to Manitowoc, like, uh, 2013, which ended up being the craziest summer of my life to date. Um... And, yeah, I met, so I ended up breaking up with my girlfriend, like, it took a long time, (laughs) and it took a lot, it was hard, because, well, we had been together for a long time, and also, she didn't want to break up, I was not great at, I mean, it was like, it was harsh, because it was back and forth, and she was threatening me with things and like just stupid shit like just stupid shit and it was just bitter and we were back and forth and um so so we ended up breaking up okay (laughs) long story short we ended up breaking up I had um also at this point met um, my buddy, my buddy Aaron. This is weird. Like I don't want to mention people's names, but I don't think it's really that big of a deal either if I do. So it's it's hard for me. I'll just say Aaron, my buddy Aaron. Met him the first time, and we had just met when I went when I came to Manitowoc. He was there. I didn't know who. There was a few people that were there. Um, that were new to me. So, uh, we, the, one of the first, I gave him a ride somewhere. He didn't have a, he didn't have his own truck at the time, which is a whole nother crazy story why he didn't have his truck. So he had had all this crazy stuff and turmoil happen within his life just previous. I had all this crazy stuff and turmoil happen within my life just previous. And then, uh, we met each other, didn't know that either one of us had had any sort of crazy, you know, stuff going on. Sat down. He's like, so I gave him a ride somewhere, I think to an appointment inspection or something. We both hopped up on the roof together, I think, and I gave him a ride home. And he was living in our office building. There was also a couple of apart- a couple of rooms, uh, bedrooms. So... He was he was staying there, so I go to drop him off. He's like, "You want to just um go across the street, grab a couple, grab a beer?" And I was like, "Ah, you know, nah." Because at this point, I'm just you know, <laughs> I'm just wanting to go home. I don't want anything crazy to happen. I don't want you know. I just want to go home and relax. And that that's what I wanted my life to be for a little while was just go just working and going to bed or just hanging out at home. And um 
uh, so he's like, oh, come on, just one beer. And I was like, oh, all right, just one beer. Okay. Ends up, you know, being a lot of beers. And we ended up just hanging out like we're old pals. And that started off a series of events that... Oh, I hear some coyotes. Um, that set off a series of events that ended up with me meeting my wife. This I feel like this is the the whole twenty thirteen is a whole another. Like that chapter is very dense and short. Like it's a but there's so much that happened and it's all these crazy stories and just beautiful serendipitous events and intuition just flow state just like the just me being my pure like I was free you know I had gotten rid of these things in my life that were holding me back and I was free and I also was we were drinking quite a bit so that helped a lot (laughs) that helped for the freedom factor um I wish you could just take a pill. Or, no, no, I shouldn't say that because I don't really like pills in pharmaceutical companies. But um, I wish there was a natural plant supplement that you could take that would just get rid of all your inhibitions, but you could just still be normal. But you just didn't give a fuck about anything. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to... So I just realized that I was about to rush through that I was focusing a lot on the the negative parts of my life and I was about to rush through one of the best parts. 2013 to present and when I was a child are the best parts of my life and I didn't really talk about being a child and I kind of breezed over it and I also was about to just rush right through 2013 just so I could get to the punchline of why I started this podcast and what it was going to be about so that's I think a really good thing for me to realize and also it leads me to that I don't want to rush through those things. So this that's a perfect ending point for for this first one, my first one ever. I was winging it and I think that probably showed and it's out there though. I I'm I rec- recorded it and I can put it out there and I'm happy with that. And if anyone listens to this part all the way to the very end of it, that's incredible. I just, like, that's that blows my mind. And also, I just think of all the things that I left out. <laughs> because I was, I was vague on a lot of things, and I left a lot of things out. But because I was trying to, I'm really working on summing up stories in a 
detailed enough but concise and quick way because i i always like i don't like i start with well they don't want to you know somebody doesn't want to hear all every little detail and then i'm like but and then i'm like okay so i'll skip this and this and this and then i get to the part where i'm like fuck i gotta start from the beginning because it really i don't know for me everything ties together every all of it and to leave parts of it out seems like it doesn't put the whole picture together but basically i'd i'll talk more about my childhood at some point because it was great i had a great childhood um for sure i it was there were some parts of it that weren't as great but overall i had a really great childhood and um and i want to talk more about that also i meeting my wife and and how how all that came came about i'd like to spend more time on that and i'd also on the next one like to spend a little more time gathering my thoughts ahead of time so that's what i'm gonna do so if you listen this far i love you because you're probably my wife (laughs) or whoever it else is thank you and i'll put more of these out i'm gonna keep recording Um, And I'll figure out how to also end these and sign off at some point so they're not all rambled on like this. This is Casey Savage signing out.